0: I am Meredith Johnston. I make music under the name Warm Human.
1: I'm going down, down, down.
0: I grew up in California, in Oakland, uh, and then I moved out to Chicago for college, where I studied acting. And then I did improv for a good amount of time, and somehow landed on making music. I'm spinning out it's always been the place where it's just me it's just me alone like in my dorm room it was me alone in my dorm room making music by myself trying to learn how to express and process my feelings and things that were going on when I was a kid it was me and the piano and it is In my estimation, it's the art form that has stayed the most purely for me. I listen to my music all the time, and it makes me feel like so self-obsessed and horrible, but I think it's because I'm making it for me to process emotion and feel better that I, I really do enjoy listening to my own music, and I don't... I don't know I think I secretly think that everybody does and that's why we make it but there's just such a weird stigma of wanting to be an ashamed artist but with music it's so much more pure for me and just like oh like thank God that this is out in the world now cuz it's a feeling and I was feeling trapped by it. If mm. that makes sense.
2: This is Sound in Process, episode 15, with Meredith Johnston. Thank you so much for listening. Sound in Process is an exploration of the artists of lines. Come join the conversation at Lllll.co That's adels.co. Over the years, I've been lucky to watch Meredith perform in a variety of contexts improvisational comedy, film, and most recently, music under the moniker Warm Human every one of her projects is anchored in emotional exploration and her upcoming album ghastly tells deeply personal stories through a melange of synths vocal processing and brilliant pop arrangements as a producer composer and lyricist meredith infuses feeling into each bit of the album's dna She tells her side of the story with a balance of ferocity and compassion that is, at times, both uniquely funny and absolutely heartbreaking. Ghastly will, no pun intended, haunt you well after its last track. This conversation was recorded in person, so there are more raw moments throughout this episode than others. Throughout the conversation, Meredith unpacks some complex topics. Her insecurities while performing live, Navigating her ownership over shared experiences and her struggles with different forms of addiction. Since Meredith's work as Warm Human is so multifaceted, we'll start with the intersection of her writing process, both lyrics and instrumentation. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy episode 15 of Sound and Process with Meredith Johnston.
0: My process has become sort of more fine-tuned, where I just wrote a song yesterday, and I had a specific feeling about something that had just happened in my life. And I had written a lyric, and the lyric was, I lay on your chest and you say how much you love her. And so I knew in that exactly what the song needed to be. And so I basically will usually have like a kernel of something, and then... It's and it's typically a lyric or an emotion, and then I will make I will just choose like three chords because I'm not a great musician. I'm okay at constructing a song, but playing keys and doing all of that, I try and make it as easy as possible on myself. Um, So, and then I will just work around the idea of that lyric, and then sonically. I spend a lot of time with tone. There's a lot of time that I spend like looking for the right tone, crafting the right sound, crafting Mm. the right, uh, like when it comes in, in lyrically, but it's usually all um, in order to lift up the lyrics. Mm. You know, there's, there's not, there's some, there's some songs where I have, you know, crazy breaks or things that, are just wacky as hell. Um, and I think that those are still sort of in service to the overall, getting the overall emotion out. And I think personally, my the things that I resonate the most with that I write and the songs that I feel the most proud of are the ones that are about a very small and specific emotional instance. Like on the last album, so uh, Kanye rant was a song that I wrote and it's titled that because of, um, at the end of 808s and Heartbreaks when he has the Pinocchio story or whatever. And it's just him, uh, freestyling about how he is not a real boy. And it's a really sad song. It's so sad. And, um, so I was in a really rough spot where I was no longer talking to the person that I loved. And, um, I already knew at the beginning I was going to call it Kanye because it was auto-tuned and it was sad and it reminded me of Pinocchio story and so or whatever it's called but um, so that song is just all sort of seeded by the idea that I, I'm imperfect like I could I'm never going to be good and all of it is to feed that and that's a very minimal song and it's all mm-hmm. about the lyric and the whatever but it sets such a specific tone the sounds in the background of that song are, are droning and they're drawn out and they're very much akin to how it feels to be sort of pulled apart from somebody. And I think that that is, you know, again, it's it's all sort of just different mirrors or shades of the same feeling and the sounds are creating a, a shadow or a different cast of that same shade. I'm
1: My way and I, know it,
2: I could imagine as a performer that in order to create an experience for an audience, in order to um, engage with them through this material, that that resonance really needs to be, like, tuned. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh,
2: Because otherwise, it feels like you wouldn't have a good time while you're performing. I
0: don't have a good time.
2: You don't? No. When you're performing. No, I hate it. Yeah. I hate performing
0: live. I hate it. It's as if I am reading my diary to a room full of strangers. That is exactly what it feels like. And I think if I, you know, am lucky to continue and I keep performing out live... There may reach a point where I will be able to build a persona that will put a shield between me and the vulnerability of the music and the audience. But right now I don't really have that shield, so it's just me singing these songs that are sad or hard or angry. You know, it's just these very specific emotions. And so it does feel like I'm giving a lot of myself... But that's why I love it also. Because I think that the people who resonate with it, they come up to me afterwards and they're like, holy shit, and it's great. They're very excited about it. And I think that a lot of people feel seen in a weird way because specifics usually make people resonate with things more. But it feels invasive, maybe even.
2: Invasive to yourself or invasive to that?
0: Invasive both, I think. I think it feels, I think, I guess my hesitation with it is Either I'm putting my emotional baggage on a room full of strangers, which I didn't love when I was doing comedy and I don't love it when (laughs) I'm doing it now. When I put it into a movie, it's different because it's a movie. You guys have, they've chosen to watch my life or me or my face. Um, And in a show, the amount of vulnerability I display, uh, it,
2: you know, it can be a lot, I guess. I'm curious what the difference is. Is it, is it just, like, the live element of, like, you have to see the people and be in the same room as the people who are, uh, like, engaging with your art? And whereas a movie, it's, like, you, you do the thing and, for you mm-hmm. in your own terms, and, like, you're really your audience. Yeah. And then you release it, and hopefully other people will like it. Yeah. But you never have to, like, really, like while you're doing it also experience other people watching you mm-hmm. and being with you while you're doing yeah,
0: it. Yeah. If 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 a movie that I'm in is playing, I don't have to watch the audience watching the movie.
2: Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of unavoidable
0: yeah. when you're making when the I'm art. Making the art and I'm playing the music live. Yeah. And I think like I think eventually that will change. I hope. I'm just a massively insecure person. And so the idea of being directly in front of people who are, in my mind, ripping me to shreds, just judging the shit out of me in my mind, because that's what I do. So I just imagine that they're doing the same stuff that I do to everybody, to me. And not only that, I'm also putting up something that I, I care more about and I have worked harder on and I haven't presented to anybody. A movie, you make that, or different forms of art, improv, anything, you make that with a group of people. You have a group of people around you. Even music, if you have a band, you have a band around you to say, yes, that's good, or no, that's bad. I have to rely on my gaggle of friends who I send songs to to say, hey, is this good? And most of them aren't musicians, and so they just go, yeah, I love it, which is awesome for my low self-esteem, but when I go up on stage, it's... The line between my bedroom and the stage is very short mm. or my studio space in the stage is very short
2: mm-hmm.
0: so it's just a lot more intimate than i i think honestly than i was expecting it to be
1: Why am I still here, running in circles for shits and giggles, shaving myself in, say that I'm different, but am I different?
0: Part of it is just wanting people to see you and wanting to be seen. And the feeling of me singing a song that I feel is vulnerable and then having someone come up afterwards and saying yes is blissful. So that's worth it more. And I've been humiliated on stage so much of my life that I think it's worth the risk of failing. And I never fail as much as I think I do. We never fail as much as we think we do. You know? I'm in a 12-step program, and uh, one of the steps is you like take an inventory and you write down all of your resentments that you have, and then you sort of write down your part and you do all this stuff and then you say it to your sponsor. And doing that is sort of supposed to, yeah, reorganize the experience in your mind and like reorganize the thought and then also get rid of all of your resentments. And I feel like in a weird way a lot of my songs are just weird fourth steps. It's a weird me processing a resentment or a feeling or a negative experience that happened to me and then yeah, recycling it into a positive experience.
2: Mm. Um, That makes a lot of sense for memory. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense for like isolated or not isolated but like um, individual experience. I mean so much of your music is about other people and uh, specifically a lot of your music is about a pretty shitty relationship mm-hmm. and um so I am curious like how does that change present experience like you're now authoring something that was co-authored in a way like your experience you're talking about an experience that you had that somebody else went into creating and, and shared with you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just so curious about like, what are the things that you go through when you're writing that and then in turn performing it and sharing it with other people? Mm. I mean, there's always a fear, right? When you're, um, when
0: you're writing anything about a relationship or if you're talking about a relationship and it's bad and it's, abusive um there's always a fear gonna be a fear that you are you're the asshole and that you're the bad person and I think uh that is something that comes to mind when I write songs that are about it of this is my perspective and I could be wrong and I could I could be the bad person which I don't think is a good thing Mm. necessarily um, I don't think that's right. I think that they in my own specific experience, there's some pretty concrete issues about the relationship. This is hard without having to go into the details of the relationship, but, like, I was in complete denial about what was going on in this relationship for, I mean, it, it went on for about three years, three to four years, but I was in, that we broke up and I was in denial about everything, even using the word abuse. I wouldn't use it for a year and a half after that. And I started making music pretty much right after the relationship ended. So music has been the most constant thing that has gotten me through it. And so I feel like using that to process my side of things, because I can't speak. I can't speak for him. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I can only speak for me. And I think that it's sort of, this weird well of emotions and feelings that I wasn't able to face or talk about before. In musical theater training in acting school, this is very nerdy, they would always say that the character sings when they can't speak anymore. Mm. And I think that's essentially sort of what happened was I couldn't talk about it and I wasn't talking about it with anybody, so I was singing about it Mm. and processing it through lyric and melody in a way that I think made it available for me to talk about now. I don't think if I had, I, if I hadn't made all these songs, I don't think I would be able to admit that it was an abusive relationship. Um, performing it, I mean, has been wonderful in, in the way of, it's me I'm alone, I'm out there I'm singing my perspective and it's and it's um, an expression of my perspective and it's also I was very oppressed in that relationship and so um, being able to um, do something for myself and and take ownership for myself was really, it's it's still astounding to me it's still incredible to me so as i say, as much as i say that i hate performing that in itself also the fact that i am alone on stage doing this for me and it's something that i like and some people seem to like it and that's great and i can take that home with me and say that i am working on on making things happen for me instead of letting somebody tell me what i can and can't do
1: i hope you honey by the sun. And I said we're through. I closed the door you broke it down I guess I really
0: did break you it's a really nice way to take I control know. of negative things happening in your life and processing them in a way that makes it you know not all negative what you did was just so if bad things happen to me I get I get beautiful music or I get to tell a beautiful story and I get to um process my pain in a way that changes it it, it will um, it recalibrates it
1: you're standing in the shadows you're standing in my shadow well I hope you like the view better get better get your to I hope you like the view Better get, better get you losing
0: to your worst kind of girl. I think it's important as a woman to to do it all and to make it all and to tend to be responsible for it all. And I think, especially making electronic music, I think that, especially in you know a local scene, it is important to not have male counterparts behind me or... Um yeah, I just feel like taking ownership of everything that I've made and have it just be me up there is more important. Partially I think I think it's part self-obsession and, and narcissism, but I also think that it feel it would feel I don't know, it would feel odd. It came from me. And the songs that I the songs that I've produced with other people, I love them. Um and they are great because I I do have songs that are I've collaborated with people on, but when people will be like, I love that song, I am automatically like, it's not my song. Like, that's not my song. Mm-hmm. I wrote the lyrics, I wrote the melody, I wrote most of the stuff, but working with somebody else that sort of takes away my ownership of it, that mm, mm-hmm. feels, <laughs> feels bad to say. It feels bad to say. its I'm probably just a control freak, I think. Mm. I'm probably just a control freak, and I like having it be my own way but I'm trying to get better at like with the song that I wrote yesterday I had someone come in and do guitar my friend in New York wrote a bass part for it that's very slappy Hmm. very slappy bass um (laughs) and I'm trying to get better at that because I do think I'm tired I'm tired of having to come up with every single part because I don't know music theory that well I don't Potentially know the choices that would make it more interesting or more dynamic mm. I don't know to go to the fourth instead of going to the second or whatever I don't even know if that made sense what I just said um, but I and I've tried I've tried to learn theory and I've tri- I've been working on it and I've been getting better but I have to accept my limits where I'm at right now and so I think being able to reach out to other people and be like will you help me on this is good but in a lot of ways when i'm presenting the music that i've made i would rather it just be me on stage why are
1: you always looking at your phone instead of me instead of me why are you always looking at your phone instead of me why are you always looking at your phone instead of me instead of me why are you always looking at your phone instead of me
2: How do you navigate learning what you want to learn to get to where you want to be because you're not like enrolled in a college you're you're doing this all yourself
0: yeah yeah it was it was a lot it was a lot it um i mean first of all like baseline of playing the keys period was i i grew up playing piano but even when i was getting piano lessons, all I wanted to do was write music. So I would just write on blank sheet music, and then I would have my piano teacher play it (laughs) instead of me playing piano. I never learned how to read music. I only uh, memorized things by ear. Forever. So I would be the kid that showed up at the music recital with no music and then I would just play by by ear and then I would sit down and then all of these people would come up and they would, you know, play actual music on sheet music. And now I'm like, why didn't I learn how to do that? So I had to kind of relearn how to play the piano in the past year and relearn a lot of theory and, you know, just try and get out of C major because that or a a minor um, cuz that was all mainly all that I was doing for the first bit of it and then you know ableton allows you to mess with things so that they sound different and i could play with different time time signatures and things like that but i really wanted to differentiate the sound so that i started i got this app on my phone that you pick a scale and then it shows you the notes that are in the scale and then it even like it's called chord suggester and it mm. suggests different chords that are appropriate within that scale And then, so at first I really started using it for specific chords and then I just started looking at it for the scale and then I would just play around in the scale for, you know, an hour to two hours and then see if I could find anything that I liked. But that, that took a while in and of itself. So that was, you know, probably six months of developing from just learning, learning first of all, that I needed to differentiate (laughs) out of C major and then... Um, figuring out that I I really like sharp scales and like trying to go into that more. And um, one thing that really helped me was I I had a nine to five job and I hated it more than I've hated anything else. And uh, I'm an addict, so my tendency is to rebel against anything. So having the nine to five job was really helpful for my music because I wanted to rebel against it. And I, and I was just sitting in front of a computer all the time and Around, uh, probably around last September, I felt that I had exhausted looking at the news all day or looking at other people's social media accounts and feeling bad about myself. And so I just started watching tutorial videos all the time. And so I would just sit in front of my computer and watch YouTube tutorials all day uh, while at work and take vigorous notes um, of what to do and how to EQ and how to mix and what makes a good baseline. And then I would also slow down songs and listen to what I liked in the song slowed down. I slowed down all of Porch's album pool to listen to, um, his drum textures and how he used his drums and then also listen, try to try and hear what he did with arpeggios and, um, and his synths. So that was like a really fundamental album for me to sort of dissect. And I started dissecting everything that I was listening to and I listened to the podcast Switched on Pop, which helped me a lot with sort of the math of pop music. There's one song on the album that is literally just pop math. And I like it, and it's, it's good, it's, but it's just literally pop math. It is an amalgamation of Porsche by Charlie XEX and Issues by Julia Michaels just put into a song with sadder lyrics. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so listening to that and then there was a drastic shift that happened in february when i um for valentine's day i made a cover of james blake's uh wilhelm scream and so i sat at work again and listened to that song over and over and over again and um made a note of every single like Texture that he had Every single pattern of a drum Because there's just a bunch of like random sounds That are in there So I'd be like, this sounds like a woof So then I would note and What's great about that song is it's the same structure Over and over and over again But it's adding things on And so listening to when the bass comes in Where the bass is going Where these certain drum sounds come in And then the um, how it reaches the climax And then how it decelerates at the end Um. Was really helpful. And then on that, I also wanted to make it sound like it was mixed. (laughs) And so that's where I learned how to mix was because I wanted it. I didn't want to do James Blake a disservice. Like I didn't want to do a shitty James Blake cover. (laughs) So that and learning his chord structures, how he structures the chords on the keyboard where he um, allows a lot of space. So he'll have if he's playing like lead or whatever, like a lot of his notes are just really spread out throughout the keyboard. So he's never really touching the mid-range. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of spread out. And so it creates this really dynamic sound in your ears rather than it being this like compressed and tight, only in one octave mm-hmm. of the scale um, range. And that also has has stuck with me and has stayed in everything I've made since has had a lot more air in it and a lot more um, room and dynamic choices on the keyboard rather than um, they they might not necessarily even be complex they're just uh, more thoughtful mm-hmm. so that was a lot of stuff that I did and then again like practice practice makes perfect and the the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing like I was I pretty much replaced um, my alcoholism and my relationship with music so it I, I'm not trying to exaggerate when I say that it was sometimes I would wake up before work and I would play music but mainly it would be I would get home I would make a really mushy meal and, and then go sit in my studio and make music until two in the morning and then I would wake up and do the same thing and then on Saturdays and Sundays I would wake up at nine and stay in the studio until two in the morning each night mm-hmm. and Friday night too so it was just time and time and time and eventually the things that took me because um, starting out, it, it would take me uh, 15 hours to write a song and have it be like relatively presentable. And now it takes me probably four hours just because of the proficiency within the program and proficiency in keys and also knowing where my instincts are going and following them instead of trying to fight. Mm-hmm. That That's a lot of it. A lot of it is is a lot of issues that I think musicians have is just fighting the instinct that they shouldn't go where they actually, where, where their musician's mind is drawing them to. And most of the time now, I'll just try and go through it rather than reject it. Yeah, But how do you get it? How do you get this love? you, know, the hell do you, need you for
2: It's going to make work. You're going to have to learn new things. How to treat your damaged psyche with a little kindness. How to say, hey pal, you're worth it.
1: I hate it here, I think I hate it here Watching birds fall, watching you fall On your face, covering up your life. <laughs> it was never right, but at least we tried Ask me not to walk away. We never tried, cause it was never right. What a consolation prize!
0: Want my fucking hat back I sang that and I was like, I can't put that in a song. There can't be a song that has that, but that is the line out of everything that everyone remembers because it's so truthful. And so I think that me as a musician and me as a as my own music critic. Well, I have to just put my music critic away and like let her judge other albums <laughs> and have fun with that and and just be like, no, it's it's okay, most of what I'm thinking and most of what my instincts are or where my instincts are going to are correct. I'm just not allowing myself to be correct.
1: Now you only talk to me today. T-
2: perspective i think people attribute this like mythology to albums that deal with uh relationships mm-hmm. uh, as oh this is the album about that x mm-hmm. but it's actually an album exclusively about you yeah yeah and while the other person was catalyst or uh uh sometimes victim or mm-hmm. whatever like that's not Ever what those expressions are about. It's not about them, exactly, exactly. They are the the mirror to which I look
0: look at myself. Mm-hmm. Like um, like the whole the crazy dirty projectors and uh, Amber Kaufman war of the albums that happened. and that is actually a really interesting that was really interesting to listen to. That Dirty Projectors album and I felt that was even, I felt that was too much I felt he was being too personal and we know who he's talking about mm. we know he's talking about Amber and so when he says one of the lyrics is what I want from art is truth and what you want is fame we know exactly who he's talking about yeah. and so it's a lot harder for us to use our own replacements our own lovers our own ex-lovers in sort of the idea of mm. what he's talking about and so it it becomes this character assassination rather than... I never want my breakup song to actually be performed to the person that I am broken up with. Mm. Unfortunately, that's happened. But I, I never want it to be something where... Um, I am, you know, I'm using this as a as a roundabout method to get to an ex. It's it's just ho- in hopes that somebody else will have experienced this specific feeling of heartbreak and this this aspect of um, the stages that we go through in a breakup, in a bad relationship, the f- the feelings of being trapped and all of that. And it's it's not it's not a reflection of of them at all. Like the feeling of wanting my hat back from an ex is just the feeling that we've all had when we when we lose possessions that we care about by like in a breakup
1: and i just don't know how i'm to love when everything leaves eventually
0: I think there's a lot of like breaking down in ghastly there's a lot of you know parts that sort of fall off and then it's the in burn it's the drum pickup or there's a lot of deterioration in this the opening sense of dog years and then also the um the strings and down to have that really weird trail off um so it's a lot of that it just so i don't know and it just fits the tone so well This like ghost-ish, so you know, go, sort of a <laughs> so really thing, but it's also kind of beautiful and it, it just reminds me of a foggy night. Yeah, so that's where Gaslight outside. came from.
1: So I just let go of everything I say I know and make my way outside make my way outside
2: This has been Sound and Process, episode 15, with Meredith Johnston. Much of the music featured in this episode was from Gastly, releasing in early 2019. You can follow Meredith's work at warmhuman.bandcamp.com. To keep up on future episodes of Sound and Process, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or visit soundandprocess.com. Thank you so much for listening.